Hello, film listeners. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. First, I want to thank all of you for being so patient during this brief hiatus. We have been very hard at work coordinating the release of our brand new horror short film, Don't Be a Stranger. We were lucky enough to release it over Halloween weekend. It was the perfect weekend to do so, and we have received so much positive feedback on the film. Thank you to everyone who has watched it so far. If you haven't watched it yet, please go check it out on our YouTube page, Don't Be a Stranger, official. And you can go on our website, don'tbeastrangermovie.com, to watch it there as well. In addition to an online release, we were able to have an in-person premiere on October the 29th at the Endicott Cinema Saver. We had about 60 people attend for a free screening and a Q&A afterwards. We were also lucky enough to record the Q&A, and we're releasing it here on the main feed. It's very exciting. So I hope you enjoy this Q&A between myself, Chelsea Bowles, and Julia Marie Black, moderated by Christina Waite. It's a good time. I hope you guys enjoy it. And also, I want to make sure to note, please stick around after the episode for a very special Frankly I Love Movies podcast announcement. All right, take it away. So, hello everyone. I hope you all enjoyed the film. My name's Christina, and I'll be asking some questions to Julia, Chelsea, and Josh here. Um, after I'm done with mine, you guys are all welcome to ask your own questions. So, I wanted to start out with if you guys could talk a little about what producing this film was like, how it, the idea came to you, if it took a while, you know, after you had the idea to actually start putting into motion, a little bit about what that process was like for you. Hi, everyone. Um, So this idea came about, um, I want to say, like, end of December, beginning of January. So January 2021. Can you all hear me fine? There we go. Um, I was reaching out to Julia, asking her, hey, would you want to create something with me? You know, right now, nobody's hiring us. The entertainment industry is at a halt right now because of the pandemic. And I really am sick and tired of waiting to have material for my reel. So we should just create our own. And the idea kind of came from a lot of people who I admired who, you know, have made it big, all started by creating their own materials. You know, I figured why not make our own ourselves. And I knew that Julia was doing playwriting. So I was like, would you want to create a web series? She said, absolutely, yes. And then we didn't talk about it for like a month. So so then I was like, hey, do you think doing a short film would be easier? Because then we don't have to commit to recurring episodes if it gets to be a lot on our plate. And she was like, yes. So from that, uh, she had the idea to use the barn in her backyard because it was creepy. She said we could do something horror, thriller-esque. And hey, do you remember Josh from summer theater camp? We should bring him on board. And the rest is history. (laughs) So you mentioned a little bit about how kind of your frustrations with, you know, the necessary step back from theater we had to take with COVID kind of led to the idea for this. What were some of the other challenges of producing this film during COVID and how did you kind of work through those? So I think um, 
the biggest thing that I chalk this film up to is just really great timing. If we hadn't all been like vaccinated at the time we were, if we hadn't been in the area because of COVID, I know you had been living in Jersey and I had been just graduating school and considering moving out to Minnesota. And then they called me two days before graduation. We're like, hey, <laughs> that's canceled. Um, so we all happened to be here cooped up during quarantine and everyone happened to be vaccinated like within weeks of each other um and so we were like okay you know since we'll be filming most of this outdoors it'll be safe we'll make sure that um everyone on the crew is fully masked throughout the um filming process and then we would only take our masks off when we were performing in the space um and we you know had the contracts and the you know um, COVID waiver forms, all of the things. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest thing was just making sure that like, this was a very safe set to be on because we didn't want to put anybody in danger. And, um, you know, our friends who came in from out of town to help us out, um, same thing with them. We wanted to keep them safe and keep their communities safe. I mean, on top of that, then you have all of the struggles of just a normal film production. And this was one of, um, I think, the longest film project that I personally had worked on. And so with that came, I mean, ever since that Julie and I started writing the script, we started, we automatically had ideas of like, you know, how we were going to make it scary and get into the lore of the shapeshifter and how that was going to be in the story. But for me as a director, personally, it was my first time doing something with horror. So I wasn't really sure if I had a lot of doubts in pre-production personally. So I guess like in terms of setbacks or a lot of personal stuff where it was like, I don't know if I am going to be the one to really be able to bring the scares out into the story. And, you know, uh, it, it, uh, it it's interesting because the story shifted so much throughout um, pre-production and so and then it became a matter of timing because of um, Julia was moving really quickly and uh, you know we had people from out of town for only a certain like number of days so it kind of became a time crunch and at that point on set since most of it is supposed to take place at night we had to um, really work around the sun and so sometimes it would be days of just um, like hours of just waiting, you know, kind of a hurry up and wait situation. And then at like seven, it's like, all right, we got an hour to do eight shots. Let's go. And we did it. And it, you know, like I said, it, it takes the stamina and the creativity of a great crew to be able to pull that off. And so I think it's just one of those things that, um, <laughs> everything was like, uh, there was two times the pressure. It was just, the, there was a lot of additive to it. Um, and so, but like, I think once we got on set and figured out like our dynamics with one another, it made it a lot easier. And at least like, it was still important to meet our deadlines and, and to um, make sure we were sticking to the schedule that we had put in place. But I think we all had each other's backs and it made it much easier. Perfect. So you talked a little about how your story and the film kind of shifted a little bit as you were creating it. Could you talk a little more about that and kind of your writing process for coming up with the idea for the film? I know Chelsea mentioned you had had the idea of using your barn. So is that kind of the original inspiration? Yeah. So when we were originally thinking in terms of a web series, we were like, oh, how cool would it be to do kind of like a, a ghost psychological thing like that? And it was all based around the very large prop piece that just happened to live in my backyard. And um, then it kind of, I, I was listening to the Office Ladies podcast, shameless plug for them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, how funny would it be if you took all the stock characters from a horror movie and had them in kind of like a mockumentary setting and looking at the camera and being like, oh my gosh, everyone's getting picked off one by one. Um, 
And who knows, someday maybe we'll write that version of the script, but we ended up shifting into the more um, straightforward thriller. Um, but one thing that we really wanted to focus on was taking the conventional um, horror movie stereotypes of your final girl, cheerleader, nice guy, stoner, and jock. And we were like, what would happen if the, the nice guy is dead at the beginning of the movie? How, how would the rest of the characters interact with each other? Because that character in most horror movie um, stories is kind of the glue that holds everybody together, usually the second to last person still standing at the end of the movie. So we were like, what if we just take that character away and see how the other four would, would exist together in a space over a certain amount of time? So up front, I did not want to do a mockumentary. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, the biggest reason is just because it was something I had done before, and I think we had wanted to really push all of ourselves to do something completely new. And uh, yeah, I think because, like I said, the first draft of the script, the way that we worked on it was that um, Julia wrote the first draft, I wrote the second draft, and then the final draft, which is what you see, was kind of an amalgamation of both of those. And what, what was interesting was the first draft that Julia and I wrote from the um, from the outline that we did was much more, um, even though it wasn't a mockumentary, it was more, um, it was still more dark humor. There were a lot more attempts at jokes and a lot more of um, gags and bits that were like, that could be funny, but like they didn't really, we, we didn't really find the project that we really wanted to make um, in that. It felt, it felt a little weird. And then when we were, um, but there were still like so many scenes, like scene structures that you see in the final film that we, um, kind of uh, expounded upon. And when we were meeting with um, a a big person that we have to thank is um, Ashley Griffin, who is uh, uh, Julia's playwriting professor from uh, Fredonia that we meet with once every other week. And she's at NYU, sorry, not Fredonia. And and she gave us the idea of like trying to find the emotional core of like, yeah, what if one of this group isn't there? And then going into the still trying to figure out these characters through the tropes um, without it just being like, you know, oh, I'm a jock, I'm strong, yeah. And like, you know, it's just trying to find the humanity and everybody just surrounded by this one situation of memorializing their friend. And I remember when we had that meeting, there was this moment where she said that she's like, where's the nice guy? What if he's not here? And Julia and I were just like, oh, there it is. Like, that's like, that's where the big idea came from. Um, so that was a really fun uh, experience. Awesome. Thank you. And you said that it was shot over three weekends, two weekends, three, three. So uh, were there certain scenes you kind of found yourself reworking a lot or did having those weeks in between the filming weekends have you coming back to to shoot with like new ideas and new perspectives on how you kind of wanted to interpret it differently? Can I answer that? Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's. it was, it was weird. I mean, the third weekend was a reshoot weekend, so we tried as fast as we could to get this thing done in, I think, the original five or six days, I think, is how we did it. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, there were times where, because um, Sully was our um, DP on this, and he we worked a lot um, beforehand to make sure we had everything storyboarded, which is where you draw the shot. If you're not familiar with storyboarding, it's very important beforehand to like just have everything, uh, just be as prepared as possible. And... Um, and then, you know, happy accidents tend to happen. So it would come up, like, sometimes we would do a scene and be like, oh, this isn't really working the way that we drew it out. Like, and then we would frame it a certain way and be like, all right, let's continue this through line. And then some scenes, um, 
we thought worked out and then we would put them in the edit when I was in the editing room with Brian as our, our editor and it, um, it really didn't work. And so the, the biggest example is the, um, the scene when Saint who plays Jake goes and finds Bodie dead in the kitchen. That was originally the way that we shot it was that, um, Saint was on the ground and then Andrew just came up from behind him. It worked, it went too quickly and it was like kind of the biggest scare of the movie. So we had to kind of figure something out. And Sully came up with the good idea of like, how can we elongate it? And the house, luckily that we filmed at, which is um, Julia's childhood house, um, big shout out to Teddy and David Black. Where are you guys over there? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, uh, it has a lot of. Um, it's just creepy. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's just like, it just has these, like, the way that it's, like, laid out has these, it's, like, so, like, it has a lot of corridors and it gives off this, like, the way the light hits it is, it's perfect for filming. And so we, had to go back and be like, all right, well, why don't we work with the windows and work with the way that the light was coming in? And I think it worked out way better. Um, and then like other times it would just be a happy accident of like the reason why most of the time when there are dialogue scenes and people looking directly into the camera, I just liked that. And it was very much inspired by silence of the lambs and the way that characters talk to each other that way. Um, so there, there were a lot of instances where it, it went as planned and then we had to change something or a happy accident changed it for the better. Do you guys want to? I would love to say something. Um, so uh, the script was finished, like, God, a week or two before we started filming. Like, when we had, when we say we had a tight schedule, we had a tight schedule. So I know when the time for me came to, like, take off producer hat and put on actor hat, I was like, oh, Lord, I have a lot of work to do in a week. <laughs> and for all of us, we, you know, Saint and Andrew are still in school. That's actually why they're not here tonight. They have rehearsal for one of their shows at Binghamton University. Um, we all got together and met first day of set. And a lot of times our like first time doing the scene was while the camera was on. Like we really like didn't even have rehearsal periods. Like our rehearsals were doing the takes and then if they didn't work, doing them again. So I know for me personally, I was a pain in the butt with Josh a little bit, and I was like, can we redo this scene? I don't like the way I did it. Um, <laughs> it was really bad. Um, and there was, I think, just a few times where it was working out the logistics because we didn't have a rehearsal period because we all literally just jumped right in and went for it and had to make choices quickly and just go with them. Um, so... From an actor standpoint, there were definitely scenes that needed to be reworked just for the sole purpose of being comfortable in them. Mm -hmm. But luckily, we all worked quickly and just kind of jumped into it. So it didn't really take too, too long in the grand scheme of things yeah. to do all of that. I, I wasn't there for reshoots um, because I had already moved by that point. Um, but I, everyone sent me pictures like, hey, we're hanging out with your parents. <laughs> um, but I, d d like Chelsea said, like there were some times, you know, we'd have to work, you know, a bit over and over and over again. And then some shots, like one of the final shots of the film, um, it's freezing cold. I was covered in fake blood. Um, I had a tear stick under my eyes, so my eyes were burning, but I was cold. Um, and the, some of those shots, we did what, like two takes, three yeah, takes? Some of them were really yeah, some of them were like, all right, boom, we got it, let's move on. Um, and when it was cold, that was the best time to hear, we got it, let's move on. Um, and then other things, you know, we have our amazing stunt coordinator, um, Evelyn Oliver, over there. Um, and 
she would come in and we did, we tried to work it so that all of the stunts were on the weekend. She was there for obvious reasons. So for the first weekend, we didn't even have Andrew on day one. It was just you, me and Saint. And we were pushing out all of those scenes and then all of the scenes with Andrew that didn't involve stunts. And then the whole last weekend was blood, stunts, throwing stuff, running around, um, falling on the ground and all of that good, good stuff. And Chelsea and I only have ourselves to blame for getting how very, freezing <laughs> how we freezing we were because we were also the costume designers. <laughs> <laughs> We were not thinking ahead. We were like, April, it'll be warm. It's spring. <laughs> not in Binghamton. <laughs> so as I watch the film, um, I see it, you know, it's a horror film about this shapeshifter and kind of letting our emotions get the better of us and kind of on a deeper level about the importance of getting to know the people in our lives and kind of the dangers of thinking we know them maybe better than we actually do um, and making some assumptions that maybe we shouldn't have made and should have been communicating better. Is that kind of the message you were hoping to get across? And if not, what was your, what do you hope viewers take away from the film? That is absolutely the message we are trying to get across. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing, you know, it comes up, obviously this, the character of Ben deals with some heavy subject matter and so often, you know, people will be like, I didn't see the signs. I didn't, I didn't see X, Y, and Z. And once we had that idea, you know, what if what if the nice guy is gone? How does everyone react to that? You know, are they in denial about the fact? Are they trying to move on? Are they trying to find closure? And I feel like each character came at this with a different situation. You know, Kirsten's like, let's memorialize him. Let's, you know, say how much we care about him. Jamie's like, do not talk to me. No one look at me. Um, and, you know, Jake's more in the camp of like, you know, he would want us to move on. And Bodhi is Bodhi. <laughs> Bodhi's in his own world. Bodhi's in his own world. Um, but I think especially, you know, as, as time goes on and people interact less and less with each other, especially during a time of social isolation, um, we forget to listen to each other and we forget to be there for each other and really like check in and be like, how are you? You know, really, how are you? The message almost found us in a way because I knew that we wanted to do kind of a monster in the house story, and the the shapeshifter was just an interesting, um, you know, it's it, it's a it's a character that's been touched, but not as much as I I feel like something like other common like ghost stories have, you know, and so from there it just kind of became like okay, this idea of identity, and then how do you make that more interpersonal with a single group, and then it's just like okay, what if these characters like I like have the idea of being friends but they actually don't really know each other like really at all on a deeper level and so trying to figure out as Julia was saying like each individual dynamic of where their um, mind is in terms of the situation at hand at in terms of this um, in terms of this memorial that was really the key and trying to figure out really as a writer what you want to do is you really want to focus on what your theme is and then make each decision about um uh showcasing that theme and so I think when we were first writing it it became like first we were like okay where's the shapeshifter who goes into the house first who's going to die first what does that mean for the rest of the group and that was a good roadmap for us but then we were then we were left to figure out who was what was everyone's individual decision and I think that's one thing we've also had a great time doing and um, adapting it to the feature we've been writing the screenplay for that for a while now and really trying to figure out every single little decision being about like okay these people don't know each other or they don't 
they think that this person is one thing, but they actually turn out to be something different, which I think is something that, you know, in this day and age of COVID and being everything being as politicized as all hell, then I think that's something we all can um, relate to. And it's a fun theme to fun may not be the best word, but it's an interesting theme to uh, to go off of for, for a film. So Jamie, we see she kind of acts differently when she gets into these stressful and scary situations. Do you, each of you can give your own thoughts on this, but do you think that stressful situations like that bring out our truer selves or do you think it's more of like a warping of our character, like a a shape-shifting, if you will? Well, having played Jamie, I can tell you that, um, no, you you should answer first. (laughs) Sure. um, Well, because this, you know, Jamie's descent into madness um, is definitely a retroversion of the final girl character because in the traditional, your Jamie Lee Curtis's um, are the the moral, ethical backbone of the the horror movie. That's why they get to live. Um, But in this version we were like, okay, what if the final girl's actually the worst person there and is the one who's gonna get her hands dirty because she she doesn't know the people in her life and can't tell the difference between a friend and a stranger. Um, so I think, that's a toughie. <laughs> because I, I think yes, under stress, people become their truest selves, but I think by the same token, um, you may become your more instinctive self, but there's there's that old adage that like the first the first thought that you think when something happens is what you've been conditioned to think. The second is who you truly are, and I think Jamie is just functioning on first thought alone and not l- looking at her life and being like, maybe I shouldn't kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a brief story, and it. <laughs> And it answers the question. So this past weekend, I went to a wedding. And um, after, you know, a long night of drinks and everything, uh, my partner, Seth, his dad started, don't ask me why, but we got talking about Vietnam. We got talking about the war. (laughs) And he was telling stories, his dad, um, about how he used to talk to this person after he came back from Nam, and they would just talk about the horrible, horrible things that happened. It's it's really awful. I like started this this story kind of jokingly, but it, it's horrible, um, the things that happened in in the war. And he said something along the lines of, you know, when you're in war, all your morals go out the window because, you know, if you don't do this to this person, they're going to do it to you instead. And I think that really plays into your um, fight or flight instincts. And I think that's exactly what Jamie is going through. All her morals are out the window because she's like, there is a shapeshifter and I don't know what it's going to do to me. So I have to do something to it first. And unfortunately, she just doesn't see that she's killing the wrong person. <laughs> so she doesn't actually end up killing the shapeshifter, but I I don't think that that these instances reveal her true self. I just I think it is a warping of her character because when you're in times of war, when you're under high stress, your morals go out the window. It's oh my god, I keep hitting the mic. <laughs> I'm sorry for the feedback, everyone. Um, that was the answer okay. to my to the question. Um, I'm done. <laughs> kind of going off of that, the shapeshifter we see kind of feeds off of emotions. 
And it seems primarily to feed off of more negative emotions of fear and Jamie's guilt and shame um, and kind of sadness as well that's around them. Is there a reason that that's what they're feeding off of as opposed to more positive emotions? Um, I think that in the story, the positive emotions between this group is kind of long gone. And the, I mean, you see it in like kind of pockets, like when they're um, like after the memorial, like that night when they're just kind of hanging out, that's like an attempt to try and get back to normal. Like, a, uh, and again, we're going to expand on this with the feature that like this group is like way past its prime. Like they, these, these people are not in the same place that they were before. And so the, positivity while they're in a, in a moment, it really goes away quickly. And so, and I think that we really wanted to focus on, again, just the constant tension and conflict between these people. And that becomes, I mean, not only is it great, you know, food for drama, but it's, it's perfect for our antagonist, which is the shapeshifter. So I think it just kind of worked out. And I, I mean, we haven't really discussed that much about what their reaction to positive energy is necessarily, but... Right. Okay, go ahead. Discuss that. As in any movie, there are some things that don't make it into the final cut. So in our final script, there was a line that shapeshifter Kirsten said where, you know, she said, Jamie says, feed. And Kirsten says, you, your emotions, just like that. And and it kind of goes into detail about, you know, I will feed on positive or negative emotions. It doesn't matter to me. You get to pick. Um, and that ended up getting cut just for storytelling purposes. The final, you know, the final edit, the way that the story flowed, it just didn't make it in. Um, wasn't a good or bad line. It just, that's what happened. But, you know, the shapeshifter does say that, oh, I had a blast at a birthday party a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you're the one that, but you're the one that's deciding to give me negative emotions. I forgot about that. That's right. Yes. I was. I do love that line, but it was one of those things where it just like didn't fit the final tone of that scene. Yeah, I really like that though. Actually, I always love hearing like what didn't make it in. Yeah. So more in the fun. future. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you all find that you treated your relationships in your real life differently at all after filming and producing this? Or not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely it definitely got me thinking. Like because so many parts of the puzzle, I mean, if if you're paying really attention, you've watched this three or four times, there are things that, you know, we set up at the beginning of the film that later kind of show you who and who isn't the shapeshifter. Like, for example, um, Saint's character Jake says, you know, I, I'm a yellow belt in Taekwondo. And then later the shapeshifter as Jake is like, yeah, karate, you know? So it's like those little inconsistencies. So it definitely made me um, very detail-oriented and even more so for the features, we've been working it out. Um, but I think, yeah, like it really reminded me, you know, who, how I, how I relate to other people. Like, you know, these people who I care about, have I checked in on them recently? Have I been doing my part as a friend to reach out to people and be in their lives? And then my last question for you <laughs> is, um, I imagine, I can only imagine that creating a film is a lot of work. What were some of the highlights, some of the fun parts of creating this that kind of made it all worth it for you? And what were some of the biggest challenges? I think we talked a little about the challenges, but if you have any more. Um, For me, it was just the people that I met through this process. 
Um, it's like we've all said it and it sounds so corny when you've said it like 20 times, but it's really hard to imagine that we have ever walked through our lives not knowing the people that we know from this movie. We're all really close. And something that I just really loved about the process was having the time to learn about these people during our downtime um, because St. and Andrew go to school and neither of them have a car. I would pick them up every day before set. So uh, our call time was eight, but I'd be up at like six something. So I could be on the road at seven to go pick them up. We'd get bagels. We'd show up to set. We'd have breakfast. But just some of my favorite conversations I've ever had were in the car with Saint and Andrew because they're both just so insightful and I could talk to them for hours. They're the, some of the most interesting people I've ever met in my lives. And I'm just really happy to have met them and everyone else. I just, that's an example specifically from <laughs> set. Um, that, yeah, I already said it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for this process because of the people that I met and the experience of this was my very first film ever. This was my first time being on a film set. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> I think bouncing off of what Chelsea said, like a lot of, these people who came on set had never met each other before. Um, and for me, it was a lot of people that I like either went to school with or met at theater camp or had known since literally fourth grade. And they were all coming together and meeting for the first time. And everyone just immediately clicked and got along. And I've, I've never been in a rehearsal. I'm, I'm mostly staged before this. Um, I've never been in a rehearsal room where everyone just gets each other so quickly and everyone's on the same page and has the same or same or similar work ethic that it's like, all right, here we are. We're going to make this happen. We're going to do it well. We're going to support each other on and off screen. We're going to be good scene partners and we're going to make sure that everyone is feeling safe and comfortable. And we're also going to have so much fun while we're doing this. Like the, I feel like it's either you've got a super strict set where everyone's like no nonsense or you've got like a goofy set where nothing gets done. But this was the perfect balance of we got the thing done. We felt really good doing it. But we also have like a million inside. We made a playlist that's just four songs that was just songs we would sing between takes. Um, Wait, I don't know about this playlist. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the playlist. <laughs> it's a good book. Well, one of our, Saint makes music, so one of his songs is on the playlist. <laughs> and it dropped, his single dropped like right as we were filming. Um, but it, it just all of those things, like these are people that, you know, I've worked with in different capacities and getting to see everyone come here and get along and have a really good experience. And I mean, every project you do is a learning experience. And the best part is, is when you do a learning experience with a community that's learning with you and growing with you, then you can be like, I have this other idea. Let's let's do that next. They said it best, but I think that just having a group that has um, the same amount of passion in a in a work that you do, and because I've been on sets where um, it has varied, or the crew was, I mean, like most uh, most of the crew that I gathered, we'd worked on stuff together. Like Sully, Brian, and myself had done stuff where we were just like, "Can, can this? Why did we do this? Why why are we here right now? Oh my god!" But like this was one where we were, while it was like a tiring process because each day was so long, we were excited to be there, and um, we we didn't know what the next day was going to bring, and so to have a group that 
gets the project, has the same amount of interest in it um, as you do, really cares, is going to make sure that they, you know, know their stuff and show show up to work like on time and ready to go, like at a moment's notice. I mean, that's really all you can ask for um, in a project, regardless of any either like story inconsistencies or problems with a camera or like, you know, sound stuff in post, whatever it may be, that really makes it uh, worth it and something worth pursuing. So, yeah. So now I'll open it up to all of you if anyone else has any further questions. Yes. So I'm just curious because you mentioned about how much you've, um, how much you've uh, filmed and everything. Did you ever take actual uh, measurements of how much you actually filmed compared to how much actually made it? Ooh, that's a good question, actually. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't think we didn't cut too much out. Um, I mean, we obviously had some scenes had more takes than others, so those. I mean, that, that's just kind of how it goes. So, um, but I think m most there there aren't any single full scenes that aren't in it. I think every scene that's in the script ends up in the final film. But there's just ends up like yeah, some takes are shorter. We cut down a fair amount of the final monologue just for flow because there that the final monologue that Chelsea has is is a lot and it's already a lot. But like it we needed to make it like timing wise really make sense. Cause again, it's just, it's a two shot. It's just the, it's just the two of them looking at the camera. So, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, and also most of the shots that we did only needed like three or four takes, but the memorial scene probably has the most because we filmed that just one after the other. So like, it would just be like, all right, uh, Chelsea, do yours, then Saint, do yours, then Andrew, do yours, then Julia, do yours, and just keep the camera rolling. So we have like four takes of that that are all five and a half minutes long. So, um, yeah, I think that there aren't any full deleted scenes. There's just a lot of takes that um, weren't used. That circle shot where the camera goes around the characters was, um, I think, eight takes we had to do that with, so that was a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think most of the... Most of the actual script is in the final um, edit. Did that answer your question, Steve? Okay. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. Um, what do you foresee as being a full-length feature? How are you going to expand the, the biggest thing about a full-length, because every, every horror movie has a specific, um, what's the right word, structure that it follows. Um, and the best part about a full length is you can do flashbacks and you can give um, more depth to every situation. You can have more setups, you can have more payoff, you can have more running around with knives, um, which is the reason everyone goes to a horror movie. Um, they, they don't care about the setup. <laughs> but um, the biggest thing we want to expand on is like, all right, we have these characters, let's actually show Ben, let's let's show his relationships with these people. We're, we're going to, um, small spoilers, we're going to have an opening scene where all of them are hanging out and we get to see the whole group dynamic as it was before Ben died and then the whole group dynamic afterwards. So we get to really play with how things have changed, how these characters may have gone through a different evolution from one thing to another and um, just a lot more fun action scenes as well because we'll have time and a budget. <laughs> Anyone else? I think there is a question in the back. Yep. Hey everybody. Uh, great job. I really like it. Um, Thank you. I wanted to ask uh, this question for Josh or, uh, or uh, Sullivan. Um, I really thought it was interesting, really cool uh, uh, shot choices, like they're really tight shots for uh, like in the, in the uh, really, um, you know, uh, the climax scenes and, and they like the round shot that you said before. I thought it was really cool for a, a horror film. I was wondering if that's 
one of your styles specifically or something you've adopted? Mm -hmm. You said earlier that uh, Silence of the Lambs was kind of, Lambs was kind of a, a, uh, an inspiration for this. Or yeah, actually, it's funny we haven't mentioned him yet, is that this is a lot of this is kind of based around, um, you know, just being from Binghamton and being local artists. We have a lot of influences from The Twilight Zone and uh, Rod Serling, and we really kind of expound on that in the feature in terms of locations, and we really wanted to kind of make it. It's also a lot, there's a lot of Hitchcock in the movie, too, so there's, um, you know, characters in a tense situation where they only have themselves to rely on, and even so much so, there are Hitchcock movies where it's groups of people. These people, while, yes, they are in a group, they really can only rely on them as an individual so that's that's a big inspiration story-wise in terms of um, shot composition yes Silence of the Lambs is big but that again was another um, example of just a happy accident where um, we had this lens attachment we put a, um, a telephoto lens where you have to shoot from very far away for close-ups and um, we put this lens attachment to make it wider and it got this fuzzy kind of this kind of fuzz on it I'm sure you noticed in um approximately like 60% of the movie. There's like a fuzz on the shots. Um, and that wasn't intentional, but it just ended up looking good. And I liked that the characters were looking at each other because, uh, and I mean, it, it sounds of the lambs is not the first film to do that too. I know like sling blade. Um, and there's a couple other movies that do that, but it was, it's just, it's very like, it's uncomfortable because like the characters while are having like a fairly normal conversation are like investigating each other. They're putting each other under the spotlight to make them, uh, to really get to the bottom of like hanging on to each word or trying to like really figure out like, um, you know, just, it just makes it uncomfortable. So it just becomes like an investigation more than an actual like conversation. And it's weird because I mean, like we obviously talk like that every day where like, like I'm looking at you right now, Chris, like in the eyes and it's, it's fine. Um, I think, but, uh, <laughs> it, but, uh, in a film, it just makes it way more uncomfortable because they say you can't break the fourth wall and that's like a rule and whatever. But, um, that, that was a, and then the circle shot is my favorite shot to possibly do in a film. And I knew we had to be in there. I told, I told Sully because most of a lot of the ideas were his where I was like I really don't care what else we do as long as we have one circle shot and he was like I gotcha and so it just kind of went from there yeah um this doesn't have to do with the composition I don't mean to like like talk about you while you're right there you could come say this but I know <laughs> I, Sully wasn't it your influence or your decision to shoot in black and white yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah um Sully does a lot of black and white photography so and with the equipment that we had he was like I think we'll get better clarity if we shoot in black and white instead of having to try to mess with the color and the type of lighting situations that we have. So uh, do you want to say anything or no? No, I think so it's, it's up to you. You can also check out his interview on YouTube. Sullivan Harris, everyone. <laughs> okay, to answer the question about composition, I'll keep this brief. Um, so what I was thinking about a lot when it came to shooting this movie was how when someone goes through like you know, a traumatic experience, it feels like the world is closing in around you. And so something I wanted to do with the composition is just at all moments make it feel like these characters' worlds were just closing in around them. So by the time we got to the end of the movie, like you said, like we were in these intense close-ups. And even like at the beginning when we were doing wide shots, we just tried to like fill the frame with as much as we can, use that wide angle lens to make it feel like weird and cramped and yeah. Black and white. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Rod Serling, Twilight Zone. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Uh, oh, one other influence, the ending shot of them closing the door could be, um, is from, is the same ending as The Godfather, or Saw, whichever whichever you think is the better movie, so. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah. Just a real quick, uh, 
was the script at all influenced at all by Stephen King's The Outsider? Because that's sort of, you know, it's about the shapeshifter as well. I hope you've seen that. I haven't, but do you know? Like, yeah, well, f- for me, one of the biggest influences was, um, at least it will be for the feature, was It Follows, um, because it follows a shape, <laughs> it follows a shapeshifter. Um, but I, to be honest, I'm such a chicken. I I don't watch horror movies unless I'm with other people, um, holding my hand so I don't scream. Um, so I, I, my roommate in college made me sit through a bunch of psychological thrillers. Like when I, she's like, you have to watch these; they're classics. Just focus on the film score; you'll be fine. Um, and so she made me watch like American Psycho, Psycho, um, Silence of the Lambs, and all of those. Like there were, I'd be like, okay, I love that. I'm I'm you know, borrowing that and, and twisting it and making it its own thing. Also, this was very much influenced by Psycho, at least in terms of like some of the shot composition in the black and white. Um, but I, one thing I did take from Stephen King a little bit was the whole, have you seen Gerald's Game? But I, Gerald's Game is, is fascinating because it all takes place in one room. And one thing we wanted to to play with was just this one location that all these characters are seemingly trapped in. They can leave at any time, but this ominous thing of like um, feeling pressured to be in this shared space with people. There's no place to hide. There's no, you know, rooms to get away in. Condensed time period. Condensed time period. Yeah. So, in terms of Stephen King, Gerald's Game was definitely an influence. Any other questions? Yes, over here. So now that we've seen the film, <laughs> where where on uh, Halloween can we tell all of our friends to see the film so that we can spread the Our executive producer, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and you can go to, actually, you're the social gal, so I will <laughs> pass it off I'm to the you. social gal. Thank you for your very helpful question. <laughs> if you would like to direct your friends, family, enemies, acquaintances, neighbors, pets, to our movie, you can do so. (laughs) Sorry, I got caught up in the bit. Um, It will be on our website, um, which the link on, like the video embedded into our website is on YouTube. So whichever is easier, you could go to our website to get it or you can go straight to YouTube to get it. Um, Josh here has set a lovely premiere date so you can basically... You ever been to like a premiere on YouTube where it's like there's like a holding room and it starts up at a specific time? We're doing that. It's really technologically fancy. <laughs> at noon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just at, at it's it'll be live on YouTube uh, noon on Halloween, and you know you can we'll be sending it to literally everybody. So <laughs> the website is don'tbeastrangermovie.com, and you can. That's also, yeah, we, you can sign up for um, our newsletter that um, we've been sending out with updates and fun and new fun stuff. But, uh, you know, like I said, you guys are, you guys are lucky. You're getting it before literally everybody. So, (laughs) yeah. Okay. As the resident social media gal, (laughs) you guys can totally help us out by, if you follow us on our Facebook page, Instagram, um, Josh runs the Twitter, any of those things, just something as simple as sharing our posts goes a long way. Like it, it's insane how you don't really even have to do anything except for click share. And 
it reaches so many people and that helps us do future projects. So um, if you don't already follow us on our social medias, like we said before, Instagram is at don't be a stranger. Um, send it to your friends, like, comment, all that jazz. It just like helps boost us in the algorithm, the crazy algorithm and gets us out to more people. So whatever social media platforms you like to use, please, it's super, super appreciated. Even just a like, just interacting with our posts helps to get more eyes on us and helps to get our movie out, which we're really excited to share with people. And and big shout out to Jim Hall at um, svsabers.org who put a lovely article about us on there. Uh, thank you to all SV people that are here, by the way. Go SV. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for coming. I don't have any more questions. Is a final call for any questions? Nope. Thank you guys so much. We will be out in the lobby accepting donations. Not required, but definitely accepted. Thank you guys so much. You've been lovely. <laughs>